Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on、uh, Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a Fudo fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and I have a blog at fudofan.com. And this is episode 65. Thank you so much for、uh, recording this with me on a bright early Sunday morning. Um, not quite bright, but、uh, sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know.、Um, I'm usually not awake at this hour, but I know you usually are. So,、uh, you know, thank you, jet lag, for readjusting my sleeping patterns. It's,、uh, it's been good to be back. I got back on Thursday. And,、um, and as we were making the show notes for this episode, we realized that this is going to be a packed episode. So, Uh, my suggestion is we'll go right into it and we'll have some topics that we have to talk about next time instead. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, so first things first, I believe it was last weekend, I want to say,、um, we had this Ink and Deco Numa. And this is kind of the continuation of、uh, Bunga Joshi's Ink Numa, which we've covered like almost every year. Yes,、yeah, so they keep changing the name of the event. There was Inkunuma, and then it was like、uh, Inku and Dekunuma, and now it's like Bungujikan, Inkujikan, Dekujikan, whatever it is. I, I call it Inkunuma because that's the only name I can remember. <laughs> yes,、yeah, so how was that? This was like the third or fourth、uh, time it was held, and the venue was once again this you know, KO department store in Shinjuku, which, like most Department stores has this you know, big event space, right, where they run various events. And、um, one difference this time was, well, at least for me, was that I booked the, my ticket a bit later than usual. So, you know, they open up for reservations and like two, three weeks in advance.、Uh, I, I waited more than a week this time. And, but to my surprise, All the time slots were still available. So I, I was started wondering if you know, maybe there are just too many ink events right now. Maybe you know, this won't be as popular as the previous ones. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was wrong for sure.、Uh, there were at least, I would say, it was in, in the ballpark, like 100 people just waiting outside.、Um, Sunday morning when I was there, even though it was like, Rainy morning, and even though it's just hard to find things in Shinjuku, I, I always get lost in Shinjuku. Even though I lived in, Sh- in Shinjuku for like two years, I always get lost around Shinjuku Station, but that may be just a Jacob problem. <laughs>、um, but yeah, it was tons of people there, and you know, the doors opened, and as, just like before, people just rushed to get all of the most coveted exotic inks, like the melon soda, Bungo Josh inks, and、uh, what have you. <laughs>、um, and it was a big event, but it was really hard to get to the tables because there were just、like、swarms of Numas at all of the popular tables at all times.、Um, one difference, I would say, this year,、uh, maybe. Maybe to no one's surprise, but there were, or one difference compared to last year was that there were even fewer fountain pens this time. Because last year, I remember like Nagasawa was there and they had some like new pink fountain pens,、yeah. whatever. I think Tag brought a few fountain pens. There were quite a few last year. I thought very few fountain pens this year, but I saw even more glass pens than before. And they weren't, 
maybe I'll get in trouble for this, but they weren't the, you know, the S tier of glass pens. And by S tier, I mean like the Hase and uh, Tooth yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, Tessar, maybe on. That's sort of the, in the S tier of popularity, the, you know, the unobtainium glass pens, right? Yeah. Below that, you have what I would consider the A tier of actually still very popular pens, but still obtainable pens like, you know, Irogai, Guri, and Kokeshi, and, you know, Paraglass, Glass Studios Hand, whatever they're called. And most of those pens, most of those brands were actually available at this event. And uh, they didn't take sold out in seconds. You could buy them, but it's just that you had to really like elbow your way to the uh, the tables because of these swarms of people there. Um, and by the way, kind of a tangent, but related to that, I feel bad for Alessa because she, as usual, being the YouTuber she is, she was trying to film the event, but... <laughs> yeah, how did that work out? It was almost impossible. You couldn't film anything at the tables because... There were so many people there. She just could film people's like backs and backpacks, and that—that's all you could see. So, yeah, she was struggling. Um, she did, she did some paparazzi filming of me when I was talking to one of the vendors, but we'll see what comes out of that. Um, but anyway, I didn't buy any glass pens. I went straight to Sakai Technical Papers table because I had uh, questions for them. And yes, so they had, you know, last year, at this time last year, they they introduced this Iruful paper, right? And at that time, they only had this um, loose sheets paper, but this time they had the Iruful notebooks, so they were promoting that and they wanted you to buy that. So I asked questions about that and I said, you know, I, I tried this Iruful paper last year and uh, as far as I can tell, both, you know, the, the, the texture or the feedback, you know, the way the, the ink looked, the colors, it's very similar to Cosmo Air Lite. So is it actually the same? I mean, you know, do we hold Gaijin smash thing, asking an uncomfortable question. Is this the same thing? <laughs> um, the guy was all like flustered. He said, oh, so you know about Cosmo Air Lite and we are not announcing what paper this is at this time. I mean, he, <laughs> he clearly didn't deny it. Yeah. Uh, he clearly knew what Cosmo Air Lite was and uh, well, make out of that what you want. Let's say it's possible that it's Cosmo Light. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't ever learn more about that from them, I think. But then, of course, they brought their you know, usual uh, lineup of Tomo River uh, notebooks. And, and they said they were almost running out of these. So this is you know, the very last batch. It's just a few, we only have like a few notebooks left. So uh, they said, like, you know, this is your last chance to buy. Basically, that was sort of the whole pitch. Uh, so then I asked them, just like I've asked them, asked them last time, why did you never make any notebook with a number, number nine paper? And the answer they gave me this time was actually pretty much the same as last time. I, I mean, they didn't like, they didn't, it wasn't about, you know, how the ink performs, but it was, you know, the, how the paper feels. There's this one term they used called shturi. Yeah. They, the quality they like of of the number seven paper is story yeah and in fact even if you go to their blog that's also the term that they use i'm not actually sure what 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 they, what they mean by that but but clearly they they don't think that the number nine paper has the, the same amount of story and it's not worth making notebooks of 
So then, of course, I had to ask, you know, so what about what about the Sunset paper? You yeah, know, you guys have were announced that back in like February, I think, that you're going to sell Sunset paper notebooks this year, and I don't see any Sunset paper here. And uh, yeah, they he really didn't have a straight answer to that. He said, "Well, we still have inventory," but then like that was like thirty seconds after him saying that we were we were almost running out of notebooks now. So that was not a very strong argument. Yeah. But then he was mentioning that you know Sansen is both selling you know, the new Sansen paper and it's also selling the number nine paper. Uh, he didn't like say more than that. But I, that, I thought that was a hint. So I actually went back to, like recently I looked back at some of the, you know, the email conversations I had with uh, Tomogawa and Sansen back in uh, November last year. And I remember the way they described, the way Tomogawa described, you know, the, this upcoming transition from Tomogawa paper to Sansen paper, they use a specific word called like running change, like a running change. And I didn't yeah, 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 pay yeah. too much attention to that back at, at the time, but I, I looked up that word and it actually has a very specific meaning, especially like used in like the car industry. So running change apparently means that you have a product that you are selling on the market. It is you know in production and you are making changes to that product. Um, without introducing a new model without changing the product code right right, right. you're meant to think that it's just that is the same product but it's actually changed or made while the this product is being uh, sold on the market so i'm starting to think going back to sake technical paper that you know given their stance on the number nine paper and given this running change i wonder if if they still cannot guarantee if they buy paper from Sansa, maybe they cannot actually guarantee that they will only get the new paper. Mm. Or either that, or maybe they have to buy both and, and they don't know what to do with a number nine paper. I have a feeling that it has something to do with that. He was sort of hinting at it, but he wasn't really willing to, you know, um, spell it out. So that, that's my theory, but it's just, you know, conjecture. There's no real evidence of it. Yes, I got a question. Um... You know, uh, Sakai Technical is, I, I believe, one of the larger uh, purchasers of Tomoe River. I, I, I think in terms of notebooks that are available in Tomoe River uh, outside of Hobonichi, really the only way you can get a Tomoe River notebook here in Japan is through Sakai Technical, right? And And, and I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. I think that the initial introduction of Tomoe River as a writing paper was uh, actually heavily involving um, Sakai Technical. Am I correct in that? So my understanding is that Tomoe River has been around for you know over forty years, but only yep. for the last you know less than ten years. I- uh, Sakai Technical's paper involvement has been like between like five and ten years. So they, yeah, they started like if 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 you went to Tomogawa's website a few years ago, uh, there was this one section called like like on the Tomo Tomo River product page. There was like one Tomo River for uh, Tetchos, and then there was this Tomo River for fountain pens. But as far as I know, 
that that was actually the same paper. It was just 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 a, a marketing thing that yep. that they were they were sort of collaborating with a technical paper on like selling this as a fountain friendly notebook. Mm. So that that's their involvement, I think. Right. So um, so so I think the point here is that uh, Tomoe Gawa, the parent company, um, specifically pointed out Sakai Technical as you know their their collaborator. Yeah, and um, and so that 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 leads me to believe that they are heavy consumers of uh, of Tomoe River paper. Um, do you think that, given this, do you think that they would be able to work out some kind of a deal with Sanzen to specifically buy the Sanzen paper? I mean, given that you are a purchaser of that volume, um, I imagine that some leeway on the back end uh, might be possible. You'd think so. Right, uh, you know, for the arguments you mentioned, and, and especially since you know Yamamoto Paper is selling Sansen, for example, like right? so, so there, there's something that doesn't really add up here. Like the fact that Sansen has been making the paper since February or March, and since at least Yamamoto Paper is selling them, I and they are selling Sansen like loose sheets, right? So clearly they are able to get hold of it and 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 um, selling it as. Sunset. So there's something that doesn't add up here, but also, right, the fact that Sakai choose not to use the number nine paper. I wonder if that has anything to do with this. If if that's made them, um, that changes you know the nature of their relation. I, I'm not sure. Mm. One more thing about quick thing about this event that is not. Paper related. We can go back to the paper topic, but just one more thing that is not paper related. So we talked about these glass pens and how they were popular. One pen that was seemingly particularly popular and it was introduced at the event was a new glass pen by um, Fonte. So you remember Fonte being this company that sells rebranded Gin House, right? So they have Gin House 992s yeah. uh, with caps in very various colors and you can buy them almost anywhere now they seem to be very very successful um this time at this ink show they had launched a new glass pen so it's it is basically a jinha 992 from the photos it looks like just a jinha 992 but instead of a fountain pen nib you have a glass nib or what i assume to be an acrylic nib like 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 a moonman glass pen style acrylic Mm -hmm. nib and it was sold for something like 800 yen and people were a lot of people seemed to be interested in that pen it was a long line to that uh, and right i think i think this is a smart product to launch and i think this is exactly the trend this year right so we talked about you know the kakimori pens we talked about pilot iru tsushi we talked about sailors hokoro and now this one so what they have in common is that they are like affordable glass pen alternatives and i think that is one of the most clear trends at least in japan right this year yeah so now i'm just waiting for platinum to release a, <laughs> a, a preppy glass pen that would be a killer yeah i mean assuming that it works well right because that's the thing like you know a lot of people get these uh sailor prophet juniors and they're like oh it doesn't it doesn't write well so they're like turned mm. off uh from fountain pens or you know those um, cheapos and even glass pens I think you know a lot of them have those Italian glass pens and or the urban glass pens that you know don't really work and they're like oh glass pens are not it and then they try a Japanese one and they're like oh 
glass pens are it. So, so I hope that that it works well. And, and I recall the Moonman one. I think it works well enough, right? I remember comparing this Moonman glass nib to the Drillog when I wrote my Drillog post, and I found that the Moonman was better in just every possible way. Yeah. Um. So on. Uh, Back to this uh, Tomer River thing, um, which is is kind of related to Tomer River, but also a little bit of a next segment, is that um, I think last time we we discussed that they were going to um, they were going to have an announcement on um, Tomer River for Hobonichi, right? And in fact, they have uh, made the announcement, and I'm just going to read that announcement out. It says, In 2021, production and sale of Hobonichi Techo's Tomoe River Paper by Tomoe Gawa Company ended and was transferred to a company in Ishikawa Prefecture called Sanzen Paper Manufacturing Company. Tomoe River Paper is the reason Hobonichi Techo is able to stay so portable despite its high page count and over after over 20 years this ideal techo paper will be enhanced with paper that's lighter at the same thickness and even more resistant to ink bleed with adjustments that make the writing surface even more crisp before this new techo paper makes its appearance in the 2024 edition you can try it out for yourself so uh, what they've done is uh, with the Hobonichis, and, and I, I bought some yesterday. They've included a sample of the Sanzen Tomegawa paper. Now I haven't tested this thoroughly, but from what I've done yesterday, it feels a little bit different from the Sanzen paper that I got uh, from you, which I think you bought from Yamamoto Paper. Could this be part of that running change that uh, that you were referring to? The running change that they described was from Tomogawa paper to Sanzen paper. Um, oh, okay, okay. But Alessa made the same observation that you did, which is that this paper that Hobonichi provided, this sample, feels behaves slightly different than the paper we've gotten from Yamamoto. So I don't know if they have either like further tweaked the formula or if there's any chance that you know this is a, a hobonichi specialization yeah so um to summarize the the change that i felt i i recall distinctly that the sanzen paper that you got from yamamoto um felt a little bit like uh, cosmo airlight in the way that it was a bit cushioned and there is a specific reason for that. The specific reason for that is that it has the same, it's, it is 52 GSM, but it is actually, according to Shumino Bungobaku, it is actually slightly thicker. And I think that is what gives it that slight cushion feel. Yeah, which is weird because the, the 68 GSM doesn't have that cushion feel, at least for number seven. Um, so this one that I got from, from uh, Hobonichi, it definitely feels different from number seven paper. Uh, it feels more textured, 
but I didn't feel that cushiony feel that I really disliked uh, about um, Cosmo Air Light. I would say that the bleed, or not the bleed through, but the show through is still quite significant in this paper, but I have to say that this is very thin. Um, and so, so we'll see, I think people who like it like it, people who don't like it won't like it. I think for 90% of the people who are Hobonichi purchasers uh, will buy it anyway. Um, the interesting thing here is that there's an asterisk on the bottom. It says, the Hobonichi Techo Weeks will make the paper change on a different schedule with new paper beginning in the 2025 edition Techo. So, so the regular um, Hobonichis will be on Sanzen, not this year, but the year after. And then the weeks will be on the year after that. I, I, I think they've left it ambiguous whether this paper is number seven or number nine. The the surprising thing here would be that they have enough stash of number seven paper to be able to do this, right? Either either Hobonichi or if yeah, exactly. you know Sansen had his exactly. you know, hidden stash of number seven paper because the, we're talking about a lot of paper, right? Hobonichi is quite popular, so that's the big question mark. Um, yeah, and and um. Number seven paper was discontinued in December 2019. So it's been like a good three years. And it is conceivable given that they, they knew I mean, when they announced last year, if you remember, there was a big question what they would do last year. So last year they, they announced we're still going to have, we're still going to do uh, number seven or the, the old paper. I don't think they call it number seven specifically but it's possible that they, they were so uncertain about the future that they, they ordered it back then or maybe even earlier that they made sure they have enough uh, inventory of whatever paper they think that they need just in case yeah um but then there, there's this there's another question on the longevity of paper because you know japan is a human country especially in the summer and and paper degrades over time if you store it Right, so, so I'm wondering how far in advance they could realistically even buy that paper. And again, I'm not a paper expert. We would need somebody who's you know more versed in the technical aspect of it. But I think um, the the jury's still out on whether this year's Tomoe River is number seven or number nine because the announcement only says that it's from uh, Tomoe Gawa Company. But you have the notebook now. Have you tried it? I have not tried it yet because I bought it about eight hours ago, or no, maybe like, like twenty hours ago. Yeah, but um, yeah. I need to give you some of that uh, kakimori ink we wish I used to. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So that was the ink and deco numa, which uh, was exciting. Um. Next thing that I want to talk about uh, are some uh, new releases. Firstly, we have, uh, as we discussed last time, um, the Marazen Autumn Pen Fair, and uh, Jacob, you've seen the 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 um, postcard. Have you seen the actual products? No, I, I was I was meant to go to Marazen yesterday, but I, I didn't have time. But I, but I've seen, yeah, I got this postcard like a few days ago, and this was about the um, 
the Marinucci event, so the Oazo event. And I was a bit confused when I got this postcard because as we discussed in one or two episodes ago, Shishikura said there's going to be a, a lemon pen and there's going to be you know, a, a, a purple pen, right? As it was, first of all, the... Um, the the quality of the of the photo here on the postcard is so bad I can't really tell if it's if it's purple but uh, then I've seen photos on her uh, Instagram feed that makes it more clear that at least the cap is purple but the other thing was the this waka lemon like unripe lemon pen I thought I had misunderstood here her that, that this is actually you know the the, the lemon pen and that is not actually shishikura pen so I, I was really confused and also that's what i thought too since i only got this from uh, the marinucci store i thought maybe i misunderstood the whole thing about um the nihonbash event but then of course she posted was it just one or two days ago yep. on her instagram feed that the actual lemon pen or the shishikura lemon pen i should say where, where it is actually yellow, at least the, the barrel is translucent yellow. And also, she, that's when she said that this is going to be a Nihonbashi exclusive. So now, yeah. then finally, things made sense again. So so I actually got both the postcards. Uh, first time that I got the postcards before you, I think. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I was very confused as well because, um, you know, last year they did this thing where they had the simultaneous events and so i knew that the pre-order started on the first which is the day that i landed so when i landed at the airport the first thing i did was of course i called um i called marzen and i called marzen in nihonbashi so i was still in the airport you know lugging all my luggage trying to talk to them i was trying to get through immigration and talk to them at the same time and i said i want to order this uh this uh natsuhanabi which is the summer purple one and she's like, oh, we don't know about that. And I said, well, what What do you mean you don't know about that? And she said, oh, it's the Marunouchi store. And I didn't have the, the postcard right in front of me, so I had no idea what she was talking about. Because she then said, oh, maybe you're talking about the lemon pen. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 I don't want the lemon pen because Waka Lemon is a slim size. I said, no, no, no I don't want that. And I said, it's confusing that your your postcard has the lemon and the and the natsanabi together and it doesn't say which store it is um of course it says it on the other side of the of the postcard which uh, which I didn't have um so yeah it was um it was very confusing um and then when i got home or no afterwards I realized that oh, there's a, another lemon pen. So after I made the uh, made the, the call to Marunouchi, um, called them back. I'm like, okay, now I want to order the lemon pen. So so I've got both on hold. Um, surprisingly, the rules were were a little bit different between the two stores. And before we talk about the actual products. Um, because you haven't received the the postcard for for the Nihonbashi one yet, so I don't think you know this. But the Maruzen in Marunouchi starts on September seventh to the twentieth. The one in Nihonbashi starts on the fourteenth to the twentieth. Yeah, that's what Shishikura told me too. Yeah. And so it's not actually simultaneous 
as they did it last year, because I think last year people, you know, just went to both stores at the same time. But the Marunouchi one is a two-week event. Yeah, yeah, it's staggered. So it's uh, it's a little bit annoying because then I can't just get everything on the seventh. But it is what it is. But do you really think that the pens will sell out that fast? Because I, I, the only thing that ever sells out fast at Mar- at Marzen events, or if there's like a, a a pilot, only if it's like a vest size style pilot, or if it's a custom Russia. If it's not that, then it's usually only the inks, right? I remember last time, you know, Waka Lemon was actually an ink. Last time it was a Waka yeah. Lemon ink. And there was this Oasis ink, and they sold out in like one or two days. But everything yeah. else was still available for like weeks, if not yeah. months. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. And, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about the products um, in a bit. But yeah, I, I feel like the Marunouchi event isn't as interesting as last year. Last year, we had the Akarenga pilot, mm. which I think was, was pretty cool. We had the two inks. This year, it's... Um, it's just the pens, um, and then there's the pen clinic, and then you have this ink lab, which you know you mix your own ink, and um, and then you have the Aurora, which is quite frankly um, not interesting because this is a pen that's already available elsewhere for half the price. Um, oh, and then you have the Parker. Yeah, yeah, and you have the Parker. Um, <laughs> the the uh, Nihonbashi one is a little bit more interesting because they've got, uh, if I understand correctly, they've got Ohashito, they have Eboya, um, and they have uh, Glass Kobo Aun, who's going to come. And and we've talked a little bit uh, about the uh, Aun glass pens. You need to make a reservation. Yeah, I just called them S tier. So. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I think that's interesting because... I've not seen glass pens at Motorzen, and we've d- discussed at length how Motorzen is. It's an establishment for, for the writing community here. Uh, having recognition by Motorzen for a glass pen, I think, is, uh, is going to maybe change the way that the traditional fountain pen users view glass pens, hopefully. Yeah, if I remember correctly, last year, I think Kawanishi Glass and there were some glass pen makers at the Marunouchi store. But in general, I would say that the Marunouchi store seems to be a bit more commercial, yeah, modern and like in tune with the with trends. Like, so, so right now, if you go there, you can buy Kobayashi inks, you can buy you know the, the all the latest inks, and they sell various. They have this like event space with some interesting products every once in a while. While the Nihonbashi store is very traditional, they don't they they, they you don't see anything too unusual there. Yep, yep, yep. All right, um, so. Onto the products themselves, I was personally, and I've not seen the actual thing, but I was personally a little bit disappointed by the products, also because the pictures were really bad. But we were told a purple pen, and this is not uh, what I would describe as purple, even from Shishkura-san's pictures. It's more of like a, a deep bluish um and then the cap is maybe purple if you shine a light on it, right? Like 
it, it's really pushing the definition of purple. And I think even with the the engraving, it's it's supposed to be a firework. Uh, it was supposed to be fireworks, but even that was uh, a little bit, I think, disappointing. Um, so so I, I don't think to answer your question just now, I don't think these will sell out immediately. Um, however, I think they will sell out eventually. Yeah, they, they will eventually sell out for sure. But also the Natsu Hanabi, I feel like I've seen that pen before. It's yeah. not different enough from last year's pens. Now, I understand why, why you want to go with blue. Blue is the very popular, yeah. safe color. Safe. You know, you're always going to sell out of, of blue pens. I, I get that. But it does seem too similar to what we've already seen, even from Chichikura. And it, I mean, it's very similar, I think, to the Sirius Blue, but the Sirius Blue has larger, chunkier glitter. Mm. Um, Shishkara-san did say, and, and this is something that you can't really see from the photos, but she said that the the glitter flakes are multicolored. Mm. However, that being said, um, the Supernova from Boongabox last year also had multicolored um, glitter flakes, and that just makes it look gray. Yeah, that's true. That, that panel looks great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I think these are pens that we really have to see in person because, you know, I think we, we gave Shishkura-san a, a little bit of heat on the podcast when she released the Owl. But um, now looking back, I think the Owl does look pretty nice. Mm. So I, I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt and uh, and we can make a decision uh, once we see the products themselves. Well, I kind of like the lemon, though. I mean, it's not its not my favorite color combination, but it, it looks different enough from her previous pens, and I really like the little, little nib engraving. I think the lemon is oh, yeah. popular. I do think, though, yeah. and, and I got in trouble for saying that in the past, I don't think the people who buy these pens are necessarily the same people who, you know, appreciate <laughs> and... Um, and uh, really are interested in this whole, you know, Mars and Lemon history. Yeah. Um, the Lemon Pen, I think the green is too olivey, too dark. Yeah. I-, I wish it was, you know, like like the leaf, the color of the leaf, right? Um, which apparently was the, the inspiration. Um, but yeah, last thing uh, on these pens is the price. This is... Okay, so last year it was uh, 55,000 um, Japanese yen for the Zoom nib. This year it's 58,300, so even more expensive. Uh, and I think they're really, I mean, it's it's got the metal section and all, but I think these pens are really pushing the boundaries. Um, so I think the price will also be a barrier to a lot of people. Yeah, but for overseas customers, the the... the... Because the yen is well, U.S. cosmos, I should. Because the yen is so ridiculously cheap right now, it might still be, <laughs> yeah, affordable yeah. Yeah. or not affordable, but at least I mean it's not not too bad. Right, right, right. So um, so that's that uh, about uh, the Shikuras and, and and the pen fair. We've got a bunch of different new releases that I think are more interesting, um, and I never thought I would say this about a platinum release but Kobayashi has uh, come out with their second pen in the 3776 series the last being of course the Kawasemi C 
And this time they've uh, they've come up with the Kobashi. Uh, um, can you say this word? Clematis, I think. Yeah, so it's a it's a name of flower. I I don't know how to you know say it properly. But the, there is a Kobayashi ink with the same name, and which is one of the most yes. popular inks. It was one of those like beautiful multi shading inks. So I guess the the, yes. the pen is sort of. And they've done that in the past with Kawasemi too. I think Kawasemi was also an ink, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so this is an, a new 3776, which is this like translucent uh, matte purple, and then the finials yep. are matte red-ish, I would say. Uh, for some reason, the, the, the section, the grip section isn't matte. I couldn't do that one <laughs> yeah. matte for, for some reason, but... Um, and it's slightly more expensive than than the Kawasemi. So I think the Kawasemi was like twenty eight thousand. This one is thirty four thousand. I'll say. Yep. Um, yep. It's got uh, rhodium trims, which I think looks very very good on this pen. And then another thing that is interesting, with unusual, is that it's got not just lace string but it's got a stamped nib. And it's a yeah, it's a custom uh, stamping mm. so. I imagine this will be very popular. I wish they would make it easier to to, to buy. I mean, I wa- I watched, I actually watched a short like Instagram live from Kobayashi yesterday, and where they introduced this pen, and they said we made three hundred of them, and we hope we we we, we hope we're gonna be able to sell them out fast enough this year, so we can make a new one next year. But, <laughs> you know, I wish they would make it easier to buy them because there are people, especially outside Japan, who would love to buy this pen, right? But come on, at least make an effort <laughs> so, yeah. to allow people outside Japan to buy them. I mean, put them on online, even if it's just a white rabbit, whatever. Put them on online. So, I mean, every once in a while they put this Kawasemi pen on the online shop, but they, there's like three pens and then they sold out before you can even refresh yeah. the page, right? I mean, come on, you're not yeah. even trying. Um, and I, I hope they'll bring some to tips as well. Uh, I, I'd really like to see this in person too. Um, I agree with mm. you that there could probably be a better effort in actually selling the pens because they, they're marketing it fine, but they just need to sell them. Um, but yeah, I, I think I mm. think this pen is yeah this is a this is a stunner, and we haven't seen a matte thirty seven seventy six in quite a while. It's mostly Wagner, right? Wagner has had a few matte yeah. ones, but yeah, this is a bit unusual. So and and yeah, and the niece. Oh, yeah, that's true. The, so yeah, this is a beautiful pen. I mean, it is more expensive than before, but it's it's less than was it Shun? I think. I think this price is entirely reasonable for for what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The the next pen. Um, is is something that a lot of people already know because this was brought to the Tokyo, uh, sorry, to the um, SF Pen Show. Um, do you want to take credit for this pen? <laughs> <laughs> and, and she did take notes. I mean, she asked follow up questions. I mean, there's this chance that we had something to do with it. Yeah. So, so, so to give everybody a bit of background, about one or two years ago, might even happen two years ago. Mm. Uh, we 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 went to to Bungbox together mm. and um and specifically we were asking about you know how 
they make limited editions and why they only make it with Sailor. And for um, for longtime listeners to the podcast, um, you'll remember that we said Sailors, you can make limited editions basically every year. But Pilot only allows you to do, uh, to do them on the very large anniversary, so like 5, 10, 15, 20. Yeah. And so the discussion back then was that they had made a pilot, um, Omotsando Blue, um, I, I believe it's an Omotsando Blue pilot for their fifth anniversary. And um, and they said, well, you know, our 10th anniversary is coming up, so we want to, you know, make a pen. And immediately, uh, because I don't use converter pens, I said, make an 823. And, uh, and... She was like, "Really? Should we make the eight two three? I'm not so sure about that." Um, and, and Jacob, you remember this conversation? There, there was a little bit of a back and forth about, you know, which pen model we'd like to see. I think, yeah, I think we even talked about the color. Uh, I think we even said it should mm-hmm. be like distinct enough from from the standard eight two three colors. Yep, yep, and um, and she's like, "Oh, okay, you know, I'll think about it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll consider it." And, you know, the standard Japanese stuff. Uh, and so I've actually seen this. I knew about this pen for, for quite a while. I've seen it like two months ago. Um, this is a kind of tealish transparent body with a solid kind of sky blue um, uh, finial um, end knob and section. Mm. And this will be the, I want to say, the second ever custom uh, or store-exclusive 823. The first being Shosaikon's. Mm. When Shosaikon's came out, we, I think, both thought it was too similar to the black. Yeah, it was a bit of a missed opportunity there. I mean, we were excited yep. about the fact that they made one. and We, we liked the, the, the nib engraving yep. but you know when you looked at it i remember when we w- went to shosaiken and, and you know the lighting is pretty dim in that store yeah and i thought they, yep. they just gave me one of the standard black ones i couldn't really <laughs> tell <laughs> yeah um yeah so 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 the episode was um the mad lads did it uh mm. if you're looking for that episode but this particular 823 looks totally different completely absolutely different from what they have and and you know they brought it to the sf show i was lucky to see this um pen even earlier at least just in pictures but then seeing the real thing at sf was was pretty cool they made 200 and uh i hope kaurasan is listening to this i think that 200 is too conservative i fully agree i think if if there was any i mean I think this is a home run. I think that they did everything right. I, I've been fairly critical, maybe too critical of like Bongo Box releases recently. This one is an absolute home run. The only mistake, the only mistake I see... Is the quality. Exactly, exactly. I think they underestimated the demand. Because I remember last Friday, no, this Friday, it, it, they started taking... Like, they opened up a like waiting list on a website this Friday around noon, yep. right? And and I thought I was going to go to the website, but I was stuck in like a long meeting during lunch. <laughs> and by the time that meeting was over, and I went to the website, it was like, yeah, sorry, the waiting list is full. So so what they did here was was interesting. So they had two hundred pens, 
and they opened 300 slots for the waitlist. And um, and the so they were basically, uh, I don't want to say selling, but you know they were kind of selling the waitlist because 300 people could sign up to to purchase it, right? Mm. Yeah, that went in less than three minutes, maybe five, but you know not a long time. I know people who were refreshing the page, refreshing the page, trying to get stuff in, and and even those people didn't get. Um, they didn't get on the on the waitlist. So this is popular. This is a home run. The colors, I don't know if they're exactly you know something that is in line with my personal collection, but the 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 way that they executed it, this is as you said, um, it's home run. It's it's absolutely you know Boonga Box at their best. And again, I hope um, Kaurasan, you're listening to this. Uh, please make like 800 more. They could sell a thousand easy, easy, even at that price. So if they would want to do that, is it is it already too late? I mean, what what I'm asking is, you know, sometimes stores they issue a limited edition, but then they just make more of them later, or they even add it to the standard lineup, which can be quite controversial right especially yep. if you buy them thinking that you're going to get your one of only 200 or whatever would you say it's already too late for bung box or is it because no money has changed hands yet it would still be okay for them to say actually let, let us we change our mind we want to make 2000 i actually think it depends on whether these pens are numbered if they're numbered you can't make any more so so the shosaika ones were numbered if they're not mm. numbered, then you have to order more. I mean, it's too good. And and that's what they did with the Mikan pen. Right? The Mikan pen was very popular, so they mm. did a reorder um, with a slightly different packaging, but but still essentially the same pen. And uh, and people loved it. There was nobody complaining about the Mikan pen. Um, so I think the the problem is when when you number them and then you order more. But even if it's n- not numbered, I can't remember how they how they announced that Mii campaign, but if they said, I don't know if they did, but if they said this is going to be limited to 300 and then they make another 400. I think that's exactly what they did. Okay, okay. Um, I, I don't recall exactly how many in the beginning, but I think there was like 400 in, in the beginning. Mm. And then they said, oh, you know, due to popular demand, we're going to bring it back, but we're going to, you know, make slight changes to the packaging so that um so that you'll you'll know so um for for Brunga box um i'm looking at their their instagram on march 3rd it says mm. uh shimashita blah 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 um and then they said genzai waiting list no kotoroku so they basically announced that um, they were going to to reorder, and that reorder would come in like three months. Mm. And I think that's smart. Yeah, and I think they've done that in the past too. It was like sweet pink purple, no sweet sweet whatever. <laughs> it's like pink purplish yeah, yeah, yeah. pen that was like super popular, and then I think they went waited like a few years, which was probably a long time. But it was what what they did 
was that they made like a version two of the design that made yep. some tweaks. Yep. And now, yeah, so, so if you do that, then even if it's numbered, you can say, well, this is not the same pen. This is this is another yep. iteration of it. Yeah, I think that that's okay. Yeah, and and, and I'm just reading this. Uh, um, it says uh, again back in February. It says, um, uh, yeah. So stay go kibo no kakusan mo. たくさんいらっしゃること blah blah blah。追加生産することになりました。And then they said, um, 初回同様120本です。So they said, basically in English, they said, because of the requests of many customers, we've decided to increase the production and, mm. uh, and we'll have, you know, the same as the first run, which was 120 pens. So they did 120, they sold out almost instantly, and then they said, okay, we'll make 120 more. The question is, will Pilot let them? Exactly. That, that was what I was thinking too. It is, I mean, this is this is pilot, not sailor. Yeah, it, because yeah. I think pilots going back to how we started this conversation. I think pilot sees this as a favor to like to yep. loyal to a good retailers. Yeah. So, so this would be doing them another favor rather than like, like making money on a product. Yeah. Which, though, to be honest, right. This is not a difficult pen for Pilot to make. It's just injection molding the, the colors, which they've already done, the laser engraving, which they already have the, the data files for. They just need to, you know, punch in the numbers. Yeah, but it, but it, if, we, if we're saying that they should also tweak the design a bit, that would add to the cost, right? If they, if they have to tweak the design, I agree, then it will have to add to the cost. However... Given that so many people wanted this pen, I don't think there will be complaints uh, about a reorder. And I, I think especially if they reorder now. Do you know if these 200 or 300 or whatever it is, if the pens have already been manufactured? If not, ca can they go back now and say that, hey, don't make 200, make 300 and just change you know, whatever numbering you're supposed to do? Yeah. Kaoru-san um, brought a prototype. I... I... I was too busy at SF, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, mm. But it didn't, if I recall correctly, it didn't seem like it was numbered. Mm. And maybe it it might have been because she ex wasn't sure the the popularity, so she deliberately mm. didn't have it numbered. That that could be a possibility too. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yay. Uh, we indirectly made a pen, maybe. <laughs> um, no, it's cool, as you said, uh, when retailers do take feedback. And, um, and you know, we're obviously very lucky to be in the position where we're able to give direct face-to-face -face feedback um, to such important retailers, such as uh, Bungabox. Mm. Yep. All right. Um, now we're going to... Can, can we talk about this uh, Wajma Biju pen? Because you you remember that last year Sailor released on their own after the Bunga Box. Um, I think it was called uh, 8B for their eighth anniversary. Uh, they yes. released this 8B, this rib pen with with uh, lacquer inside. And then the next year, um, Sailor then released a pen that was very similar but without the ribbing. Um, it was like a smooth lacquer pen, and they they released this Wajima uh, Biju pen. What I remember was that we thought, I mean, 
this is sort of a trope at this point, but we, we thought that the bung box, or I thought that the bung box, pen, bung box pen was very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out it was, it was <laughs> quite affordable compared to Sailor's own release. Yeah. So it was like more than $1,000. I don't exactly remember which one. Mm. So my impression of this pen was that it wasn't very popular. Because uh, I, I didn't really see this on social media. Um, it's kind of a kind of a plain pen. It's just striped. Um, but this year, they've decided to add two new colors to the Wajima Biju selection. And this is 165,000 Japanese yen. Limited to 300, uh, 300 pieces each color so this is volume two and this pen has the pro gear size nib right the original pen also had the pro gear size nib and this one also has a pro gear size nib which is um it it has a metal section mm. so yeah you you're paying a lot for the actual you know urushi work i mean I, I, yeah I, I i don't know it it may well be be worth it but it sure looks expensive to me yeah. So so I don't really want to discuss the the financial mm. like worth it or not worth it um aspect because that's really up to the customer to decide. However, I'm confused because I don't think these pens sold out of their first iteration. So I'm I'm curious uh what the demand was for for having a second version of the Wajima Biju, especially since the colors are actually quite similar. So this time they did uh, ruby and emerald. Whereas, let me check. Um, the first time they did red and teal. Or like a, more like a pinkish red. Yeah, but you're kind of assuming that the, the people who are buying these pens would are the people who are like active on Instagram, right? I think that this pen could appeal to people like when you go to Wagner, you you have this this uh, people who bring like the, their their collection of uh, thirty custom Urushi pens sure. and and uh, to the extent that they are active on social media, that would probably that's probably just like an, an amoeba blog right sure sure they this is a whole different uh, group of people i suspect yeah um i i I think you could be right but um i think i wonder if this should have been something of a bespoke edition like something that they've they've been doing uh, with ancora or if it should be a release of 300 because this there are more of this pen than the bunga box a23 yeah, but yeah, sure. But but maybe this is less about buying a fountain pen and more about buying a piece of Wajima Urushi. I'm going back to what we had discussed before yep. about you know Wajima Urushi. Maybe that is the selling point here, and maybe that's, that's a whole different group of people who wants a beautiful piece of Wajima Urushi. That's fair, and the craftsmanship, to be honest, is quite impressive because what they do is they lacquer um, the gathered body, so they lacquer an entire. Mm gathered body and then they send it down to be perfectly smooth yeah 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 okay um so that's the the Wajima Biju second thing is Ankora has uh, or not Ankora but Sailor has um a new uh pen for the summer 
which is called um, the Minori. Have you seen this pen? Is this the fifth generation Shikiori, or is it a different one? I think, uh, I think, yeah, they 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 labeled it as a, a Shikiori. Fifth anniversary, pen. right? Yeah, and the Shikiori. Remind me if I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they they were all flat tops, and this one is a round top. You know, when I saw this one, I thought it was a, an Ishimaru Bunkudo store exclusive because yeah. they have this whole, this looks like an Ishimaru pen. Yeah. Um, this, however, is the summer pen that I expected. Um, this looks much more summery, I think, than than the Shishikura one. Yeah, it is. It's a bit, a bit late for a summer pen, perhaps, but... Uh, yeah, I, I agree that it's, it's definitely a summer theme going on there. Yeah, I, I do want to complain, though, because their advertising for this pen is insanely terrible. I'm going to send you a post on Instagram. I've just sent it to you. The paper that they use is it's atrocious. The, the, the ink that it comes with it's bleeding everywhere. Um, the the handwriting is terrible. Um, you know, like this this paper that they use is just is terrible. And, and the pictures are are unprofessional. Um, it's just somebody with with a camera. So, it's such a beautiful pen. That's ruined, by, by garbage, photography. And we've complained about this before. But yeah, garbage photography, and and just terrible lighting. It's it's awful. And then when you compare and contrast that with Pilot, so I'm gonna send you uh, one by Pilot, where they actually collaborated with um, with a calligrapher to introduce their their you know 16 uh, different nib variations. Just the the difference in quality is is astounding. Mm. And I, I, I just wish this is my plea to Sailor, step up your game. There's one point to make about this though, which I think Alessa mentioned that too. Sometimes people consider, and this this sounds crazy to fountain pen people, especially in, in the West. Sometimes feathering is actually considered a feature here. If you go to some of the ink events and you look at some of the more quirky papers, sometimes they talk about interesting feathering being actually a feature that they look how how look how interesting the the ink feathers in different colors on this particular paper. I I can accept that when the feathering is across the fibers. But if you just zoom in on, on the picture that I sent you, mm. the ink looks like, you know, turd after a bad meal. But even if you look at Sailor's like, professional product photography shots of that ink, it seems to go from sort of olive green to a brownish. Uh, I wonder if they, what, what they're trying to say here is that it sort of dries more brownish with like a hint of green feathering yeah what they've done is if, if you look at the actual um product shots the 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 ink doesn't feather on that paper which is you know what you would expect 
But um, the idea is that um, it dries differently, so it goes from a very brighter green color, and then it kind of um, settles into a more earthy, yeah. um, brownish color as a part of the story for for this pen. Um, and I think that's fine. But then they're saying that if you put water on it after it dries, then it changes again. I wonder if they are, if that's what they're trying to illustrate here with the feathering. Oh yeah, so yeah, it it does say that if you put water on it, it turns green again. Yeah. But if you look at the last picture that they have, it still doesn't feather. Yeah. I mean, not in, in the way that it was in the in the writing picture. So, I I think. I think the color is interesting. I, I actually think the, the color of this ink is, is inventive and new, even though it's kind of like a brown color. Um, but I, I think the execution of their marketing, I think there are probably better <laughs> ways. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting choice of photo to lead with, right? If this is how you are introducing your fifth yeah. anniversary, Skiori. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway. Rant is over. Um, very quickly, uh, this will be probably the last uh, wrap-up of my U.S. tour. Um, I was very fortunate, and, and I didn't talk about this last time, but I was very fortunate to be able to visit the Goulet Pen Company, uh, mm. their offices and their warehouse. Um, you know, I, I think the Goulets have really created an incredible brand, an incredible company. Um, so... I was very fortunate to be able to visit that, and I made a, uh, an appearance on the Goulet Pencast, which uh, was very fun. I, I did that with Drew, um, and I will be on again, I believe, uh, this week, so um, whatever the next episode is, um, I should be on there to talk about the um, how, a, um, how the local culture of a pen manufacturer influences the design language of um of their manufacturing so it should be pretty fun um but yeah i wanted to shout out uh and thank uh goulet pen company uh and drew brown for organizing this and yeah it was it was a real blast the food down there was really really good um and drew is just a, just the nicest guy ever i mean he's yeah. i never met him in person but i chatted with him on instagram he's just super yeah. friendly yeah. yes um he's super super nice very <laughs> excitable um but it was great. And, and I got to spend a lot of time with Drew because he was at D.C. I, I went down to see him and then we were both at um, the San Francisco Pen Show mm. together. And speaking of which, um, there's several parts I want to talk about the San Francisco Pen Show. Um, first, we did a mega talk show. So I think there are four premier stationary uh, podcasts right now that are on air. The The first one is, I think, you know, Big Daddy Pen Addict, um, hosted by, of course, Brad Dowdy, or as I like to call him now, Bradley Dowdy, and um, and Mike. Uh, so so we had um, we had of course the Pen Addict. We had the Stationery Cafe, who lean more towards the the planner side, the the um, general stationery side, uh, and and I really like their happy hours as well. And I've been on that podcast uh, a few times. We have um, Goulet Pet Company, who you know talk about releases and, and their company updates, um, and that's usually quite fun. And then we had us, 
so so I kind of you know quote unquote represented uh, us at this mega talk show, where, which was almost entirely no actually it was entirely organized by April um, uh, Penguins Creative on Instagram and uh, April of the Stationery Cafe. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because um, never before in the history of uh, pen podcasting have all of us been in a single room. And, you know, we, we, we did a talk show. Um, we answered a few questions. Uh, the, the video is uh, on April's um, YouTube, but I think I'll up, up late, sorry, I think I'll upload a separate um, audio version that I recorded later. Um, we, we answered questions that were uh, prepared by April and that were pre-sourced and then we took a few audience questions afterwards and then we had a meet and greet and one thing that struck me was how many people again I've said this in the past but um, it's it's humbling it's surprising to know how many people listen to this podcast um, it's incredible it's an incredible gift uh, to to us that so many listeners out there, you know, recognize our voices, and um, and yeah, it's just it was just a great experience all around. So so that uh, I did want to shout out that um, shout out to April and thank you. You may have offended a bunch of podcasters by calling these four the the premier podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, on on a regular schedule, right? I mean, a, a lot of the other podcasts are, are no longer recording on a regular schedule um but uh the 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 meat of my sf pen show wrap-up um i really want to talk about is the finances and the behind the scenes of actually preparing for a show like this so um i sold a lot of pens um and i was busy all day uh every single day uh for all of the weekends uh, last month, I ground more pens than I've ever ground probably in my life. Um, every day was, you know, from sunrise to sundown, I was grinding pens. Um, and because our time is is capped, so we can only grind so many pens in a day, uh, just given the nature of, you know, we need to spend time doing it. So it's not a scalable um, solution for for us. So let's say, for example, if I were able to grind twenty five pens in a day, and um, and I I charge an average of fifty dollars per grind over three days, that's three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars, right? Um, and quite frankly, that that co- just covers the costs. So overall, um, for me to fly over and and by the way you can't do a grinding operation with just one person you you have to have a second person there helping you um take the names uh you know control the crowd and then for my situation i was also selling pens so this seven thousand uh, or this three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars doesn't even cover the flight tickets to go over to to the united states and um I thought that was interesting because one of the reasons for for me to do this trip this time was really to understand the financial viability of doing something like this full time. I think a lot of people uh, see it from the outside and they think, oh, you know, you you know, you did really well. You were you were fully booked. But at the end of the day, 
I think um, nib grinding is, is very difficult to to live off of um, full time, and that's probably a huge learning that I had from the show, and that kind of re uh, I want to say reaffirms my understanding that grinding pens is is not enough. Right, but um, if you take the price of the flight ticket out of the equation, mm-hmm. if you assume that you are actually in the US, for example, how would that change the financials? Yeah, so so if you were in the US, um, and let's say you wanted to go to a DC pen show, right? DC pen show is four days. You're bringing two people, you're having a hotel room for four days. So maybe you come back home uh, after costs, and, and of course you have to eat and stuff, right? You, you bring back home maybe a thousand, $1,500. For for grinders, I think like um, full time grinders like Mark Bacchus, uh, uh, Gina, um, you know people who have or, or you know Mike Masiyama, um, people who have really full cues, it's probably workable, and you know you probably make uh, a decent amount of money, but for somebody who maybe isn't getting consistent work, it's or, or if you don't have a work queue that's like you know several months long, I think it's it's almost untenable. Like you you wouldn't be going to a show to make money. It would more um, it would be more of a marketing um, expense, in my opinion. Mm. So that was quite interesting, and, and I think not a lot of people uh, really understand that. So uh, we had ten grinders at DC, seven grinders at SF. Some were full time, some were not, but yeah, you a lot of these people who, especially the part timers, um, they go and of course they do good work, but it doesn't make nearly as much money as as people think, and and I wanted to point that out because I think um, you know going back to the controversial opinion that had several episodes ago, uh, nobody's becoming you know, the next Elon Musk by, by doing this. Um, and I think, yeah, for my next step in this kind of industry and in this business, if I were to go uh, full-time, uh, would be to, to come out with my own product so that I can make a proper margin on top of that um, in order to make it sustainable. So that was, that was quite interesting. But you still haven't changed your mind about... You know where you would want to be based if you are to do this uh, full time. No, and and we'll talk a little bit about grinding next time because I saw some very interesting things at Wagner mm. yesterday. One thing about I mean if, about doing nib grinding in Japan, if that's the path you would choose to take. One thing I see increasingly from Nagahara right now is that he is collaborating with various retailers it's been you know Shosaika mm-hmm. and it's been Boombox recently also Nagasawa so I think yep. if you go I saw this today on I think a friend of the show uh, Sophia's Instagram feed if you go to Nagasawa's website and you order some pen you can choose as an add-on add to your shopping cart uh, like a Nagahara grind on top of that and I think that that gives you a more more stable source of income, I guess. That's uh, that's the second thing that um, that uh, you know, I realized this very quickly, uh, just you know, a few days into the DC show. So um, 
I was able to to w- do a lot of work behind the scenes, and I think that's actually what really, um, you know, for for the grinding part at least, uh, really is the next step. Um, cutting deals behind the scenes. So so I won't say who yet, but I, I've I had been talking to several retailers, and it's good because um, because then they actually got to see my work, right? Mm. I've been talking to several retailers, several brands um, to carry uh in particular my stack nibs so we're just doing small order now uh orders of 10 um for for each but this will be a good way to then introduce a wider audience to to something that we're doing and um i think that's extremely important to the health uh of an independent nib worker i mean basically you're like a freelancer right um and having those stable uh uh, contracts but agreements right it's uh it's very important for for the financial sustainability uh of that however nagahara's prices are very high they're actually double what the industry standard is and that allows him to that that directly allows him to work with companies like nagasawa because then he can take a hit on his own margins and still be profitable Whereas I think a lot of grinders now, because everybody is doing it freelance, um, the pricing is not attractive for retailers and brands to take on because they don't make enough money to justify that expense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's obviously not your average nib grinder. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the rules don't really apply to him the same and apply to, to most nib grinders. So right. That, that's true. Right. Another thing I wanted to say about this, um, another thing I wanted to say about the stack nibs, I would assume that if you want to do that on a more regular basis, then one thing you would need to figure out is, you know, the procurement cost, because that seems to be like a very variable cost right now. You know, exactly. There may be possibility to buy at a good price every once in a while, but you cannot really count on that, especially not if you're running this as a business you would want a stable supplier at the price you can count on exactly exactly and um and that's the the you know that's the challenge let's say Mm. all right um so i think that's that's really it for for the sf pen show uh quickly to round the the episode out uh, let's very very quickly talk about the acquisitions. Uh, I only got two pens at the SF Pen Show. The first is a Bane uh, with size 50 nib, um, and it's been lacquered by a Taiwanese uh, lacquer artist. There are several issues with the pen, um, so I'll have to fix those, which is no problem. Isn't that really part of the Bane experience? Though? Isn't <laughs> it? I, ima- I mean, I'm not really into cars, but I imagine that if you buy an Alfa Romeo, you you expect to be able to do, have to work, do some work on it. Yeah. So it was sold to me as restored, and then afterwards I did contact the seller. I said, hey, you know, there are some cracks uh, here and there, but nothing that I can't really solve. Mm. So so we'll work uh, with that, and you know, I've cleared it out with, with the seller, so no problem there. Um, but the main reason why I got this is because I've never tried a Bonnet size 50 nib, and, uh, and this is always something that I wanted to try. So I'm excited to, to write a little bit with it. I haven't written with it yet, but it has... Quite a nice bounce. Um, I really appreciate that. And then the second pen um, I got is a sailor pen 
uh, Limited uh, was released, I think, back in 2009 for the World Pen Satellite. And it has a custom engraving, so stamp, with a world and a heart with wings on the top that makes it look like a pineapple. So, um, Sorry, is this was... a sailor pen? It's a sailor pen. You need to send a photo later to okay. see what it is. <laughs> it is um it is so funny. Uh I, I really enjoyed this this pen. Um and I'll send you the photo right now on Instagram. But it's it's such a cool pen that the color is really pretty. Um and yeah, just all around I think a funny pen um that I was able to get. Yeah, I mean the the body looks somewhat unremarkable but the nib looks unusual for sure yeah um so that's that that's uh that's what i got and i'm aware that you uh were the recipient of a few nibs yeah so a a common acquaintance you might know what who it is is from uh, taiwan recently started working at uh, cypress formerly mr cypress and apparently this cypress company is now doing they are planning. They have all kinds of plans for right. their nibs in the future. Some which they have announced, some which they have not announced yet. But you know, the first step is for them to do their own uh, nib grinds. So they're going to start offering um, like Chinese calligraphy style nibs. You know, you know naginata ish. Not. I mean, obviously they can't call it naginata for, um, and they haven't even decided what to call them yet. But um, but this is going to be this. Uh, calligraphy style nibs so they sent me some prototypes and i would try them out the one that is my favorite so far is like a fat nag so you don't have this like sharp uh, architect like uh, grind it's more it's more almost like a zoom like so you don't get this quite the same uh, brush like effect but but uh, it's, it's a happy medium so i've been been enjoying that um so and this is sort of part of bigger trend I think we've, we've seen and uh, we talked about it both last year and this year how more and more of these pen makers especially you know in this part of the world mm-hmm. are experimenting with not just aftermarket calligraphy mm-hmm. grind but actually like factory calligraphy grind yeah. so I think this is a very exciting trend and I'm hoping to see more of that from more pen makers yeah and um, I know I said that I wouldn't be talking about the SF Pen Show anymore but uh, one of the interesting things uh, kind of related to, to what you're saying is that uh, I I met I got the opportunity to meet the creative director of Plotter, uh, mm. Takeki Saito-san, and he obviously, um, or I don't know if it's obvious, but he didn't know anything about these nib grinds, right? And so so he came over to my table and um, and we had a good chat. And he tried out some of my pens. I might be going to visit him at his office uh, sometime, hopefully in the near future. But mm. I think the introduction of these factory grinds or these custom special grinds. Mm. Um, and I think Esterbrook is, is doing something like this as well. They're, they're hand ground, right? So they're not done by a machine, but something that you're able to buy off the shelf, I think would do a lot to really educate the market, especially here, about custom grinds, about different types of grinds. And uh, and we'll talk a little bit uh, more about grinding next uh, episode. Um, so... Stay tuned. Yeah, sounds good. Yep. All right. Um, and I believe that's it. We, we've uh, gone over time. Uh, 
by quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, and just like at the end of the last episode, I'm starving. This time I need some breakfast. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Jacob, thank you so much. Um, I'll let you go. For the listeners, thank you so much for, for bearing with us for almost 80 minutes. Uh, this is obviously longer than usual, but I think we had a lot of good content here. Um, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Um, please spread the word. We are still growing. Um, and we'd like to continue to grow because we really just want to have this information out to to a lot of the English speaking audience who might not you know have the opportunity uh, to to be here and ask those questions directly. So um, yeah, please spread the word. Um, please help us uh, grow the grow the podcast. Your support is tremendous. And again, thank you so much for everybody who came over and said hi uh, um, at the at the various pen shows and at the various events in the U.S. Really, really appreciate that. But for now, we're going to sign off. Thank you so much. This has been episode 65. Uh, my name is CY. You can find me on my website at TokyoStationPens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at TokyoStationPens, and on Twitter at TokyoStationMNH. And my name is Jacob. I'm a fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and I have a blog at FudaFan.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.